out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Hello and welcome. This is the C86 Show. I'm David Eastall. As always, we love a special guest. This week, it's going to be the turn of Aswad. Yes, because I spoke to Tony Gadd. Um, this was last year. But they were just about to go on tour, I do believe. And uh, I've just been going through my archives, actually, and thinking, good time to start filing. So this is with Tony. And um, yes, after several minutes of casual chat, we got down to that exciting subject that was John Peel. It's the 80s. I just can't leave the 80s, can I? Anyway, we used to love our roots reggae back in the, um, yes, those glory days of Sly and Robbie, Burning Spear, Misting Roots, and obviously Aswad and John Peel. I remember him playing the album live and direct, which he loved. And I went and bought as well on vinyl. Anyway, I mentioned this to Tony and this was his response. Tony, take it away. Yes, yes. A lot of people. I mean, you know, you do, you, you know, you, you do your things and you record your music and you do your live shows. And, you know, these things, they, they come and go and they pass, but you never know what other things that are going to stick. You know, it's like people who make hit, you know, you, it's people make hit tunes. You never know which one's going to stick. If you knew the ones that would stick, you make them all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, it was just a gig what we did at Carnival. I, we wouldn't expect that's what would come out of it. But, yeah, magic. <laughs> it was, yes. I mean, it was. It, it just seemed to capture his enthusiasm. And also, and I suppose it was that period of reggae that, that I was kind of lucky that I was just kind of around going to a lot of gigs. You had that kind of roots reggae vibe with the Gregory Isaacs, Desert, Dennis Bryan, and then the Sly and Robbie and the Taxi Gang, and then Oswald, Aswad, you know, Burning Spear, Misting Roots. So it, did it feel like a bit of a golden period? Because you, you know, we were just in the audience inhaling a well, fantastic amount well, of us, Yeah, for us, we, I mean, we were young coming up and had all the energy and wanted to do what we'd seen going on around us. So, you know, we grew up with pop music. You know, we all went to school here. We grew up with pop music. But then, you know, our parents and what was, we were listening to in the house and going to, the, you know, the youth clubs around the place and listening to Sound Sisters, there was something else we were listening to. So at that period, it was, I mean, yeah, if you think back to that period, it was exciting. It was, it, you know, things, things were live. You know, there was, there, was, there, was no, there was no Facebook and things at those times. There was no, none of that didn't exist. Yes. You know, none of those things existed. So it's all about magazines, newspapers and gigs. And you put out records. And now, you know, I, I've seen the resurgence in live work now because no one's selling any music anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So everyone's on the road and working. They and, are. You know what I mean? So, so you, you see a lot of bands come back out on the road and roll on the road and everybody's working. And, you know, if you look good, you'll find all the bands that you thought were not doing anything. They're out, they're working. I know. It's um, quite... Because that circuit, I mean, the circuit that I suppose I, I sort of... where I saw you was that university circuit where you... Obviously, we were able to fill a thousand, fifteen hundred sort of yeah. capacity hall pretty quickly and quite easily, yeah. you know, and that must have felt amazing, especially when you looked out. No, and... It was, it, it was, for us, it was, it was, it wasn't just amazing, it was liberating because we felt like somebody, because, you know, in the times of growing up, you know, um, you know, wanting to play music, we looked at you, but playing music, what are you going to get out of music? Um, I mean, yeah. How do you earn money out of music? You know, not any of our parents thought that you know 
there was any career in music, you know, as wanting to play reggae music. No, you know, our parents were going, well, no. That, you know, so it was just that sheer youth. Yeah, well, I know I can do it. So we'll just do it. <laughs> you don't know what's going to happen, but you just do it. So you don't period. That's how it felt for us. Yes. And I mean, I mean, I, I, there's days I wake up now and I think to myself, oh, I'm still here. And I'm still doing it. We're still working. <laughs> I, I, in a million years, I wouldn't have thought only that this time in our time we'd be still here playing the same thing going on and still enjoying it. Well, yes. um, it's, yeah, in, it's interesting you say that because I always remember hearing an, um, an interview with Hank from The Shadows and he was still doing it in his 70s. And he'd said that, you know, at least once a night when he was still touring with the band, you know, going from sort of, Excellent, you know, five decades or six decades, he would look across to one or two of the original members and they would just smile thinking, my God, when we did this, when we were 16, we thought this was going to be it for two years, not not when we were in our 70s and, you know, <laughs> and you must occasionally look at each other thinking, Christ, we've, we're virtually, you know, you, you're not just getting to retirement, but you're going to go beyond that because, you know, when you have people like Iggy Pop and the Rolling Stones, etc., you must think, well, no one said we stop at 65 anymore. We, you know, Yeah, because you don't look at it like that when you're, when you're growing up. You just think, you know, maybe we was younger, look at people and say, well, boy, yeah, yeah, are they still doing it? But, yeah, you reach it, you go through, and it is just, I mean, people ask us, why, why, why do you still do it? And... I wake up every morning and I think, I know why I do it, because I enjoy it. It's yeah. not, it's not, you know, we don't look at it as, well, bloody hell, I've got to get this one, I've got to go to work now. It's, it's, it's nothing like that. It is, it is, yeah, I enjoy doing this, I do, yeah. Yeah, and, and so that, going back to that that period, which was the kind of period when, I, when the kind of Roots Reggae stuff was happening and, you know, we were listening, well, people like me were listening to John Peel, you know, listening to all that indie stuff and then go, oh, look, reggae, this is fantastic. And then you had, you know, like the the Bundu boys, the Four Brothers, and he was bringing all that Augustus Pablo stuff up. You were doing those big tours. And then in the 80s, you had people like Maxi Priest who hit kind of quite a commercial moment. And then you in 88, hit the big one, didn't you, with Don't Turn Around? Yeah. Yeah. So how did that kind of, did you, because before that, obviously you were playing to an audience. You're, you're, you're asking the question, did we make a conscious effort to try and get something into the chart? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> did you? And no, no, I mean, honestly, I mean, no, no, I mean, put it this way. We're all musicians and we all listen to music. So, you know, we, we play reggae music, but we were musicians. We just chose to use reggae music to say what we wanted to say. You understand me? So yeah. we'd always just made records. All that happened is that we ended up with a record company, Island Records, and we'd finished the LP and, you know, we had a version of Don't Turn Around, which somebody had brought to us as a song that somebody else had done before. And, you know, that route of, you know, well, yeah, have you heard this song? What would it sound like in reggae? Um, well, well, yeah, give it to us. Yeah, we'll see what we can do with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, 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 made, we made a reggae version of this tune that we, some, that we heard from somebody. Yes. Um, um, the version we heard was of um, a, a version by a brother in, I think it's a, a set of brothers in America, I think Luther Ingram is a rock version of Don't Turn Around, basically. It's brought to us by a, a, a Jamaican producer. And he said, yeah, I think this song will suit you. So we heard the rock version and we thought, 
yeah, the song sounds nice, so what do we do with it? Well, we'll make a regular version of it. So we did. Not mm. thinking that we're trying to make something that's pop or something that's a little more accessible. Now we're just making music. It's not we haven't made um, love songs before, because we have made love songs before. But yeah, they maybe just sound a bit more rootsy, because that's what we did. Yes. Um, yeah, so at the time... So, yeah, I mean... If you, truth be known, I mean, when we make when we finished the song, I mean, we weren't sure if the record company even wanted to make a video. We, you know, we we said, well, star, if we're going to do this, then we need a video because that's what was going on at the time. Everybody was, you know, this time of of videos. Yeah, you made a song and then we had videos. It's all that that era of yeah, MTV and all of that. Yeah, so yeah, and it was through that all of a sudden, yeah, it happened for us. I mean. The trouble is we got so much love from that because I think people knew that we was around for a long time before. So people who knew us were just shocked that after so long, you've had a hit song. <laughs> yes. Well, I, I know, um, I can't, because I know Maxi Priest, he, he seemed to go for much more like, I want, I want chance success. And I remember seeing him live. He was actually one of the members. You know, remember Sly and Robbie used to do those taxi yes. gang gigs? And I remember yes. there were people like Inna Kamosi would be there or Yellow Man. And then there was one with Iggy, um, Maxi Priest. And obviously yes. he really wanted to be in the charts, didn't he? Whereas you must have come up from that kind of more kind of the... the yeah, but that's not to say... Yeah, I understand what you're saying, but you say, that's not to say that we didn't want to be in the charts too. Of course we wanted to be in the charts. You, you, your, your ultimate gain is to... Is to everybody to hear what you're doing, and the only way everybody hears what you're doing is by getting on the radio. Um, yes. Maybe our slog was in the beginning is that we started out in the very early days where m- there wasn't much reggae, as we said, that you know, homegrown reggae then coming from England. Um, because Maxi Priest and all those things came after us. So you know, we had after us, we had. Um, as band started, you had um, Smiley Culture, yes. which is a that went into the charts. You had a tune by um, even Tri- Trevor um, Walters had a tune, reggae tune went into the charts. Sugar Minot's been in the charts. Yes. Um, so there's loads of things that came after. No, you've got another tune. No, no, no. Yes. All, all, tunes that, all reggae tunes that went in the charts. But in the early days, yeah, it, it looked at like that could happen. Yeah. But, um, and how did the band and how did you cope with that? Because you went from, you know, like being part for me. OK, I was looking at it and there was these, you know, like Burning Spear, Misty and Roots, yeah. you know, Aswad, yeah. you know, a bit of Sly and Robbie. And then suddenly yeah. a band who just went, well, hey, we're in the top 10. We're on top of the pops. We've got this video. Did you did you within the band cope with that dynamic of suddenly becoming elevated to a bit of a higher level and thinking, oh, my God. I mean, it, it, it was different, but I think because we'd had to, we'd been on the road. We were a touring band. We'd made LPs before, so all it did for us was just opened it up. So, in a sense, we were kind of road ready already. Does that make sense? So, even though it became bigger, yes, there were times, there were days where I woke up and thought, "No, oh, can I do another interview?" Oh, come on, <laughs> can I really do it? Yes. I've done 10 yesterday and we've got 10, we've got to go to this radio station, we've got to go to that radio station I'm a musician, I just want to play music man <laughs> <laughs> yes. but you understand, you have to understand you know, that that's how if you're, if you're playing then you want to get out there, then you need to be accessible to people and that's, you know, 
by a, by you know in quick time we we understood you got to do the you got to do the interview. Yes, well, absolutely. And those are the things that do get people more people involved. Yes, and then hear the same question being asked by people like me. But then, look, what was quite interesting, what I've noticed with a lot of music scenes is that, you know, there's often a few years, there's a kind of musical zeitgeist, a bit of a vibe. And with reggae, you had the roots reggae. And then towards the end of the 80s, you had that kind of ragga sound when people like, you know, Shabba Ranks coming in, Cutty Ranks, all that kind of much harder sound. And, And obviously, suddenly people start to, I suppose, move on a bit. How did you you as a band start to think oh god there's a different a bit of a different scene a bit of a different vibe here do you well, yeah, I suppose our, our problem is that we've been around and we, we haven't gone we haven't gone away so how do you deal with all the and come and go well you just you, you just sit in there um i mean if you listen to the music over the years we've done loads of things you know we've done roots we've done dub we've done lovers rock we've done uh, uh as 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 we as we look at it as a band for ourselves, yeah, we ain't stuck in one side of the the, the encompass. The, yes. The, the reggae. This is reggae. Reggae's reggae's got all different. There's all different flavors within reggae. Yeah. You know? um, so for us, you know, we did dub, we did roots, we did lovers rock, we did. Yeah, we've had a couple of what you might call easy tunes then, easy songs. Yes. Um, you know, there's times when yeah, when we started, there was no there was no drum machine, there was no computers, there was no none of that was in music. There was no samplers. You had to play, and then you know we then then all of a sudden we saw these new things come in. Um, not to say we ain't been into technology, but when you start taking away musicians' work, then you have to say, but hold on a second, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah, because there was a time when it was all about drum machines and sequences and all of a sudden, you looked at it and think, "Well, the machines are making the music." Yes. But then, if you if you think about music on even evolution, it's always it's always kept turning over. Yes. It never started as reggae. It never started as ragga. It never, you know, we have a thing. They have what they but you've got terms now. They're called reg, reggaeton. You have trap. All these different genres of things that weren't we we didn't talk about before. So. Yes. Yeah, if you go, if you think back over the years, you know, Blue Beat, Skia, you know, One Drop, Ruckers, they're all, they're all evolution of over the times. And yes. Yeah, even now we talk about Roots, we, we can still talk about DJs, we can still talk about Bogle, we can still talk about the new music. It's all, I mean, when I heard um, Justin Bieber sing Sorry and I heard the rhythm, I was thinking, but hold on a second. Those are things we've been dancing to in dance hall. Now that is top of the charts. So we're going, well, yeah, well, reggae music is international. I mean, if we look, if we listen to the music that's coming out now and on the road of what we call, you know, the youth generation of music right now, they've changed it's changed what we call pop music. For us, pop music is dance hall music. Yes. And that's all. All that's happened is that you've got different artists on top of the beats and everything. But that is dance hall. All these different beats, all the beats you're hearing now on the street now from the youths in England and everything. I mean, you've heard even American artists are looking at what's going on here because there are different things going on here now. Whereas you know, in our days there wasn't too much of that. You had us. You had bands like Matumbi. You had a couple of bands around the place, like we said, 
Misty and Roots, you know, home-based bands. You know, if you talk on the, on the R&B side or soul side, you had soul to soul and things. If you look at it now, <laughs> there's a long list of English artists that we could talk about right across the genres. Yes. Yeah, and so, yeah, we've survived it all and... Yeah, we're still here. We're still into it. We still want to do it. So, which is good. Yeah, I don't but, know how we... but but then you know, one of the things that sort of obviously during the sort of mid nineties is that you started to you know you'd held together as a unit, and then you know you started to you know various you know key members of the band started to move away. Did that? How did you cope when when you know you started to have well, those kind of shifts? Yeah, in a sense, they were they, they were kind of. Not because, yeah, you start as a family, you're going through, and then one of the families decides, well, yeah, they want to do something different. Well, yeah, as families go as well, yeah, one wants to do something different. Yeah, it's still family, but, yeah, they've gone over that side and want to do something different. Yes. Yeah, because if you live together as a family, as, as we've done over the years, you don't really lose no respect for anybody because we've that we've been in it together. So yeah, we still talk. Us and Brinsley, we still talk, even though we're not on the road together. Mm. Me and Joby decided, well, we still we still enjoyed it, and we we wanted to go. We wanted to keep it going. We wanted to, yeah, we still enjoyed it. We were fast. There was still life in it. So yeah, yes, we put extra people in the band, and we've kept it going. And yeah, we're still enjoying it. Excellent, because I suppose I just wondered because of these kind of you get a lot of these packages now, and and sort of so it's not just one band; it's a whole package of people. And you know, doing <coughs> doing these interviews, I realised that in a way, doing these kind of like almost mini festivals for a one night or one day does that sort of help keep the momentum of the band? Because because I noticed from talking to a lot of bands, keeping some keeping things the momentum going, having something like a, either a tour or a new release is just, it's kind of essential. Otherwise, people are just sitting there, you know, twiddling their thumbs thinking, actually, I just, I'm just bored of this now. Well, if, 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 from our point, I mean, from anyone that's been around for the last 20 years or whatever, 20 years, you, we've watched the whole business, the whole model of the business change, right? So for us, it's like... I can't walk around with a screen in in front of my face all day. Yeah, I didn't grow up like that. But then I can watch the, the if you watch a youth, that's what they do. And they've got headphones in their head constantly all day, and they've got they've got a screen. Where, as far as I'm concerned, that's where everything is now is on a screen. The whole music business is on a screen. You know what I mean? So if you're not on on this screen, then you're not really around. Is that does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. So, in our days, you still knew what was around because everybody read um, the music newspapers. Everybody knew what the channels were on TV to go and watch because there was only five of them until we had MTV and those things. So everybody knew where to go. So everybody knew what was going on all at the same time. Whereas now there is so much out there, and. Yeah, I couldn't tell you what's in the charts from day to day. Um, but if I asked the kids there, they would tell me. And I think, how do you know? Yes. Well, it's 
it's on my phone, it's on the screen. Well, <laughs> yeah. um, what is in, what is interesting you say that because what I've realized again from doing this and going back, you know, these decades and then looking at it is that you had these gatekeepers, you know, and like you said about magazines, you had, you know, like obviously you had things on the music front, you had like um, NME, Melody Maker Sounds, and you had Echoes as well, and then you had a couple of DJs, like, and obviously my go to person was John Peel, but you had a lot of other ones as well but there weren't a lot they weren't spread all over the place they were quite deady you know they were quite there so you know if you got that play on John Peel and a session and you did quite a lot on that you you kind of you basically came straight into my life almost like done you know as what are there okay you're playing at the UEA Norwich I'm gonna go and buy my ticket and go with you know 1500 other people and we're going to sort of bop around all night so i can see that it was quite different back then because of that kind of that kind of yeah we can do gigs right now and you know somebody says but are you on the road and we go yeah um oh i didn't know and then you think well how would you know because unless you're looking in your screen how are you going to know because it's not like if if you know i mean i'm not saying there's nothing wrong with the business now because you know it means that you're not you're not tied to having to be on a record company to be able to be able to do something. Record company says no, that's not the end of your that's not the end of your career. Yes. You're able to you know somehow control your things, and, and which is good. Which is which is what has changed the music in a sense because if you've got the kids wanting to listen to something they can't hear on the radio, then they're going to go to wherever it is that they need to listen to it. Yeah, and that's what's happened. Um, I've even seen the Brits had to open up open up the, the categories and make it even more wider because the kids on the street won't listen to what they're putting up there. You understand me? So, you know, what's happened now, it's just, it's a different, it's a different mindset for us as musicians who have been around from before the business became what it is now. Yeah, you, you need to be on that screen. You need to have visibility on that screen. Yes. And that is a completely different model. you have to work it i'm afraid you know i suppose what it is and there's those sort of platforms that you just have to be pinging things up there and people need to be sort of having them sort of pinged into their face but just briefly and just kind of last i mean when you because obviously you go back you know as a band to 76 which you know just seems like unbelievable so you obviously rehearsing in 75 when you were starting i mean when you look back at that you know your back catalogue which is phenomenal amount of work i mean is there any you know are there periods that you just think god that was just brings a big smile to your face i just wondered what what sort of you know records or what sort of years that sort of really made you feel like that was really amazing oh there is um um all right. I mean, the Distant Thunder LP, when we went to number one, for us, that was wicked. But then before that, we'd, we'd made a, um, we'd made a, um, a, well, it was supposed to be a dub, basically. We made this dub tune that was supposed to win a sound clash, you know, when two sounds clash, as yeah. they say. Yeah, so we made went into the studio to make this, tune or record then that would win this sound clash um in a film with a film that that film being babylon oh yes yeah right so at that time basically you know for us as a band and a band from england we're basically we're not 
we're not if you talk about making dubs and those things all those things come from Jamaica where all the those all those music are made but we <laughs> we're young enough and bold enough to say well we're going to make something that that will be all those songs then in a film and we made this song called Warrior Charge and if I remember around at that time what was going on, yeah, there was a lot of sound systems, you know, sound systems like Shaka Cops and all those sound systems. And we made a tune called Warrior Charge. And basically before 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 everybody knew who had made the song, we put it out on a white label so nobody wouldn't know who it was. All right? Yeah. So, and in those times, you kind of had this thing with um, authentic music or reggae music couldn't be made outside of Jamaica. Um, whereas now you see, you know, uh, Jamaican bands are recording all over the world and everybody records all over the place. So you're not stuck to no one place, even though Jamaica still has the sound. Jamaica still has sound, but yeah, people still make reggae tunes outside of things. So we made this song basically and put it out on a white label. And the sweetest thing for us was at the time we could sit back and hear um, people trying to work out who had made this song. <laughs> and they were calling all these different different bands from Jamaica, you know, all these different bands who they thought it was, you know, who had made this particular song. And we sat back for about six weeks until the record company decided to release it with the label on. And we sat down for those six weeks and basically heard all these different things about different bands and everybody thought this song was. And for us, it was the sweetest thing at the end of it, you know, six weeks, to release a song and put our name on it. I know we recorded it, we made it in England, and everybody had already been talking, well, you know, it must be this band from Jamaica, or this other band from Jamaica, or this other band from Jamaica. But it was, it was us here in England. Wow. <laughs> yeah. So that was a sweet time for us. And I suppose we played we played at... Um, we played at um, Wembley Stadium when Nelson Mandela was um, released from incarceration. Yes. And for us, that was a wicked day too because we were just a band. We were just a band from England and, you know, we had, you know, we had all the big American stars and everything. And yeah, we were one of them. Um, yes. We did. Uh, uh, one disappointment, we, we weren't allowed to get onto live aid. Yeah, that was one thing that we disappointed about um if, if we talk about disappointment but yeah we we really we really wanted and tried to get onto the live day but somehow it just didn't happen it just didn't happen um, but yeah i mean i mean if I, if we put together you know over the career yeah we're still in there we're still enjoying it excellent and what would you just <laughs> just change it is changed it has changed it has changed but, yeah when you go on stage and you're playing live and there's an audience out there and they're seeing back the things that you've made all over the years and think that's the best feeling. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And just last question then, what would you say to your, you know, an 18, your 18 year old self, you know, what was the, the thing that you've picked up over the decades that you think, Oh yes, that I should ask myself more. But yeah, what... if I, if I, when I say back myself more, sometimes, you know, you, you have this youth thing, so you're ready to go, but in the back of your mind, you think, boy, can I really do this? Can we really do this? Can we really do this? Should, can we really do this? Yeah, if I could go back to 18, the only thing I would change is, is to say, back myself more. Do you understand what I mean when I say that? Basically. Like, believe in yourself. Ah, uh, okay, yes. Yeah. But yeah, what you... Myself. So when when you look back to that sort of period in the sort of 
early 70s were you yeah. were you kind of feeling like my god we're going to get because i know a lot of people okay sort of doing something you know and a lot of times it's probably, I don't, someone doing something which is a bit unusual whether it's been a lecturer or sort of an artist and thinking i still feel like i'm faking it i'm not really the authentic and i'm going to get found out one day and it's going to be no, no, but, but that's then that's part of the drive I, I I understand what you say because I know what you mean, and that's part of the drive. Because I mean, even even as a bass player, I felt there sometimes I felt well, well, I don't think I'm good enough, you know. Um, and then and then you get put into certain situations, and you come out the other, and you go, oh, well, I did do it. So why do I think I'm not? <laughs> yes. Why do I think I'm not? I mean, we went to, we went down to Jamaica, recorded, and we thought, whoa, this is uh, now now you know this is this is this we got to go down to Jamaica and record, and yeah, you turn up, you kind of feel inferior because you're not from there, you are from England, you didn't grow up in the sunshine, you didn't grow up with that that you 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 pick it up from your parents, but yeah, it's not authentic until you go there, and yeah, you you go there twice, two times, and you think. Well, at the end of the day, yeah, it's just a studio, and yeah, it sounds exactly like what you're hearing coming from there. And when you play in there, it sounds like that. I remember me and Joey recorded a song down there, and it wasn't until we went into the into the the control room and heard it back, and we went, "Oh, right, we got it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can do it." Yeah, because yes. the sound was like what we, we 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 wanted it to sound like that, but we didn't know it would sound like that until we went back into the control room and heard what we played, and it was in Jamaica. And we heard it in Jamaica. And we went, yes, all right. Now it gives you confidence, and I said, all right, then that will make you better. Then all right, then yes, I know what to do next time. Now I don't need to go in there with. Yes, you know, I'm not sure. Maybe can I? Should I? I'm not sure. Yeah, no, you're going there confident. Yeah, so if I if I went back to myself in when I was eighteen, that's the only thing I would tell myself. Yeah, back yourself. Yes. All the way. Excellent. Well, look, Tony, I have to say thank you a huge, huge amount for this because, um, yes, like I said, when I got the, oh, you know, there's Aswad, and I thought, oh, my God, that'd be amazing because I go back, you know, that goes back such a long way and my, you know, I bought the vinyl album, of, you know, live and direct and yeah. I was very excited yeah, to see. Yeah, that's another thing because even, even now, it was, it was, the last upstart we put out a single, you know, doing the interviews and someone said, yeah, you put out a single. Yeah, I said, we have put out a single, but I can't see it. I have no physical thing that I can show you, mm-hmm. but in your in your screen or whatever the device you have, if you type it in, something will come up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, in the early days, we bought a vinyl. You looked on the vinyl, see who played, where it was recorded, you know, who played on it. Yeah, these days you don't bother with that no more because you can't see it. Yes. Even, I mean, I know it sounds a bit weird, but you'd even have, you know, when you bought a new record, it had that smell that you thought, it's unscratched, it's fantastic. Yeah, exactly. It's perfect. Exactly. It's lovely. It's a different thing. Whereas kids these days, they don't know that, so it doesn't doesn't become anything to them. They just know it as it is now. Yes. And you just have to go with that because that is what they know now. You can't take them back and show them, well, this is how they, you know, you know, I, I, I remember somebody seen a record one day. I went, and they were a kid, and they said, "What do you do with this? Well, we used to put it in this machine, and then you, you lift up this handle, and you put you put the needle on the record, and then it would play." And then he said, "What do you do when you finish it? Well, you have to take the needle off, the very red, take it out for the other thing." And he, and he went, 
that's too long. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, that's too long. That's too long. Yeah. I mean, you know, and as you know, probably, that, you know, you have your records, your vinyl records, and every time you move house, you think, God, that's really heavy. But then at the same time, you know, they're the first thing you pack and unpack, and then you sort of, you know, your your most precious items. I remember when the iPod came out and I've got kids and they, you know, Every time it's my birthday, Dad, do you want an iPod? No, I don't want an iPod. I don't want an iPad. I don't want an iPod. Nothing. <laughs> I don't want it. Yeah, I've got my records. I've got my CDs. Yeah, that, that's it. I don't want none of those things. Yes, and I then know. one year you kind of go, oh, all right, yeah, because you go in somebody's car and they take out their phone and plug it into the car and all of a sudden you hear these tunes that you haven't heard for years and you go, how do you get that? Oh, it's, it's on the internet. Yes. Oh. All right, okay. And then, you know, two weeks later, you hear somebody else, George Trina, yeah, you think, I haven't been able to find that tune from nowhere. Where did you find that? Oh, it's on the internet. Yes, I know. <laughs> now people walk around with their whole collection on this thing that they're holding their hand. I know. They haven't had to break and, their backs with boxes of vinyl records moving upstairs. They don't walk around. I remember sound systems, I mean, I mean in, in, in sound systems, it's still, they still do that, though. In South and they still walk with their record boxes, but yeah, they sometimes they do draw their, their um, you know, the iPad or whatever, the, you know, the MP3 player, and because that's how they get back some of the tunes that they probably have, can't find now. Yes. They find them on, on the internet, but yeah, yeah, it, you see DJs turn up with just their just their their hard drive in their hand, and that's it. That's their collection ready. Yes, too much of. We used to have to have a van and put load the record boxes in and. <laughs> lug that up to Birmingham or when you're tired and finished at the end of the night you've still got to lug that back into the van now somebody <laughs> puts it in their back pocket in their backpack and they've gone ready <laughs> I know I know bizarrely the packet of crisps and chocolate probably weigh more than the you know the the, the, exactly. you know, the MP3s exactly. it's weird yeah exactly <laughs> I mean videos you used to have, used to have a, a, a film crew that would turn up to make videos now people are walking around with a GoPro in their hand and said they're making videos yes this is true. We just sound like old people, actually, don't we? Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. This is true. It's all good, though, Goku. I still love the technology. I love it. Yeah. But, but, you know, I've tracked down... Oh, I have to say, I have tracked down one or two records that John Peel played that I never got hold of, and then I found them on YouTube and went, oh, my God, this is amazing. I've got it at last. You know, it's like, oh, thank God for that, you know. But, you know, that's that's all right. Anyway, look, thank you ever so much for giving me the time for this. And um, yes, it's been good. And I'm really pleased at last to meet a member of the No problem, mate. No problem. Take care. Have a good one. See you again soon, yeah? See ya. Bye-bye. Nice one, guys. Bye-bye. And that is the end of the interview. And that was with Aswad's Tony Gadd. And um, yes, this is the uh, C86 show. I'm David Easter. If you want to contact me, you can on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, just do at C86show, and all these have also been archived, and you can find those on Spotify, iTunes, Podbean, C86show is there, if you uh, want quality chat, I think. Anyway, look, have a great week, stay safe. <laughs>